Hi. It's good to be back. See, it's been a while, so I have to have notes. It's good to be back. And I want to just even just start by saying thank you. Um, some of you know what the last four, min- four months have been for my family. And the fact that you guys as a church saw that after, you know, 18, 19 years of, of ministry here, I was getting a little run down, a little worn out, and that you would grant my family a sabbatical like this um, from the deepest place of our hearts. Thank you. Uh, also, just for the record, a thank you goes out to the Lilly Endowment who funded the whole thing so that you didn't have to, and neither did we. So, what a gift from God. But the bigger, more than the money was the freedom to go. Not just the freedom to go, the celebration to go. You guys are very good to me and my family, and we want to say thank you. But the last time I was here, standing in this place, I think I was talking about this dude. Does anyone know, has anyone named him? Does he have a name? Phil? Antonio? Gorton. <laughs> um, the last time I was here, I was talking about him, not because per se of him, but because of the inscription at the base of him that says, they that go down to the sea in ships. And I drew your attention there Because that ties into the theme for our entire sabbatical and what I believe God wanted to do in my life and by extension, actually, in all of our lives. It's taken from Psalm 107, and that psalm begins this way. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. The whole psalm is really just a bunch of mini-stories, little vignettes. Little episodes, if you will, in this day of Netflix. There's uh, some people wandering in a desert wasteland, and the Lord reaches down and rescues them. There's people in utter darkness, and God redeems them from darkness. There's people wallowing in their own rebellious ways, and God rescues them from themselves. And there's even they that go out on the sea in ships, and the storms come, and God reaches down from on high and rescues them, and brings them to safe harbor. One translation says, good harbor. That's the Bushfield paraphrase version. So the psalm itself is simply four glimpses, four mini-stories of how the God we love and serve redeems, rescues, resurrects. So this morning... I want to continue in this Psalm 107 vein. I want to pick up where I left off. But I want to give you four more mini-stories. I want to give you four glimpses, because in some ways I want to share with you where we've been, what we've been doing, and what God has been teaching us through it all. So I want to give you four glimpses of our story. And by our, I mean Joanna, who is up at the women's retreat, my four children who made it to church all on their own this morning. (laughs) Yeah. to share with you a little bit about what God's been up to. Uh, It begins by just reminding myself of who I was, which is I was exhausted, and I was discouraged. 
the last years of staffing transition, the last years of, of seeing people move away, the, the, the futility of pretending to work on a PhD, the, 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 just the 18 years of ministry. And I was done. I was dragging through each day and struggling. And in the midst of all that, instead of leaning on the Lord, I tried to persevere in my own strength. That's just dumb. But then we planned this sabbatical together. And if you were here at the launch, you may have seen this. This was a wall-sized poster on each side of the sanctuary. We intentionally designed this sabbatical that, that we had the privilege of taking to address those very issues in sort of um, concentric spheres of influence in our lives. We, we designed a time away in a cabin just for me to get my introvert on. I got to have, remember the story of what God is doing in my life so that I might be the redeemed of the Lord who tells his story. We had a month then to unenroll the kids from school and to cart the whole family down to a beach house in Costa Rica where the kids worked very diligently on their school. Well, they, they worked sometimes on... Well, they didn't really... Um, they did very well. But we had a chance to be as a family without running to meetings or soccer practices. We also designed a part of it for just Joanna and I to get away. So we you know, flew to Europe and went on a Mediterranean cruise together. Wow. But then we also wanted to be very focused on the fact that the kingdom of God is so much bigger than just us. And so we intentionally chose to include a world story. And we got to take our family to Uganda to do a missions trip at the Watoto villages there. So the glimpse of God's great story that transcends any of ours. Those are the four glimpses I want to give you. Now the last thing any of you want is for me to bring up my home movies. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring up my home photos. And that's totally different. I want to start by telling you a little bit about my personal journey over these last four months. And by personal, I don't mean like, oh, I, I just mean what God was doing in my own heart. And what it began with was a chance to go up to this little cabin up in Maine. And that cabin is totally off-grid. It's fed by a well. The, any electricity is solar, and it kind of winds down at the end of the day for some reason. I haven't figured that out yet. But this cabin was provided to me. I went up there completely alone. It's called Friedenru, which means peaceful rest. And it's a cabin that's offered to pastors for renewal. There's nothing to do up there. This is the landscape. This is the 360 of the landscape. So I could go for walks. And then when it got too cold, I would come inside and I would put my feet up by the wood-burning stove and grab my journal and a book. But a week of that? There was nothing to do. So, you know what I got busy doing? I, you would not believe what I got accomplished that week. I did nothing. At all. I did a jigsaw puzzle. What a waste of time. <laughs> Are there any jigsaw puzzlers here? You're all crazy. <laughs> I was confronted. I, there was a shift that happened in my life, and it was perhaps could have been planned a little bit more gradually, but I went from being in high gear, pedal to the metal, foot on the floor, flying at highway speed to absolute stop, screeching, like, that was hard. 
I, I didn't know what to do with myself, but it wasn't just about leisure or, or um, diversion. It was about identity. I spent the last 20 years defining myself by what I do, and now there was nothing to do, so who am I then? I spent the last 20 years saying, God, I'm going to show you how much I love you by what I do. After 20 years, I'd lost sight of him. And he brings me to this cabin and says, guess what you're going to do this week, Tim? <laughs> He's just laughing up there. Nothing. And you're going to hate it. What did I learn at this cabin? I'm still figuring that out. So what you're getting this morning is not some polished, oh, I've had all this time to reflect and let me share with you the wisdom of what I've learned. What you're getting is my first impressions. But I cannot escape as I reflect back on this experience, Ephesians chapter 2, that says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. Not by works so that no one could boast. And I know this. I teach this. I've preached this. I just wasn't living it. I had somehow forgotten the reality, the tangible nature of the grace of God that says, I don't have to earn His favor. He's already given it to me freely. I don't have to do more in order to earn His love because He already loves me extravagantly. I don't have to try and earn my salvation because it's already been purchased by Christ on the cross. I'm good! Oh, so that, that's what grace means. Unmerited favor. Unearned love. Us seminary people can define it. Dang, we suck at living it. And we strive. I think the Lord started my sabbatical with this, to slap me upside the head and say, you've got the whole system upside down, Tim. You are striving when you should be receiving. You are driven when you should be still and know that I am God. Now, it does continue. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So he's not saying just lay on the couch and do jigsaw puzzles. But it starts with, we are God's handiwork. We're his masterpieces. And he created us to do good works, not on the front end of the relationship as though to earn his love, but in response to the extravagant love and grace of God. Sure, let's dive into his kingdom purposes. I had them backwards. He straightened me out. I still have to figure out how to live that now, but at least I know what I'm supposed to be living. And what I really think is, even just in that first week, I just caught a glimpse of how much I still have to learn. I've been a Christian since I was four that's 40 years. And I still need to learn about personally living in God's grace. I wonder if that resonates with anyone here. That's a glimpse of my personal story. That's just one of the stories of what God was doing. And that would have been enough. Like, okay, now let me process that, Lord. But he says, no, 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 I'm just going to dump it on. He says, now I'm going to get your whole family involved. And with my family's story, now it's saying after 17 years of having children and the chaos, and no disrespect to the entire Seidel clan, but soccer is killing us. <laughs> when you have more kids in soccer than there are parents in the family, that the, there's something called math and it doesn't work. But whether it's meetings, three, four, sometimes five nights a week in our living room, whether it's dad being away for every Sunday, Joanna being a single mom every Sunday. 
the drivenness of my pace and the constant preoccupation. A sermon isn't quite finished yet. So I might be sitting at the table, we might be having supper, but my mind is like, what if I move the third point to the second point? That would actually help people understand it better. I missed out on so much over these last 17 years. And so God says, time to get your head on straight. So he says, guess what? Get your family, bring enough luggage to sink a ship, and head to Costa Rica. This is Hako, where we stayed just down the road from. And some of those are my children, and some of them are part of the statue. And the Lord provided a house that was incredible. I'm sitting on the second floor where there was just this covered deck. So you could look down over the kids as they romp in the pool. And then there's some privacy, so there's a hedge there. And then there's an ocean, like the Pacific Ocean is right there. And the Pacific Ocean was beautiful. Uh, kids frolicking on the beach. Body surfing. I'm still taller than him. <laughs> Jeremiah, very meditate, very peaceful, as the wave is about to demolish him. Uh, we did all kinds of crazy things in Costa Rica. We got to go on tours, like we got to go on boat rides, and we got to see, you know, like, well, weird things like monkeys. <laughs> we got to go into the back country, into where there were waterfalls, and Trayfish just kills it. My kids are fearless. Every one of them leaping with reckless abandon into water. We they got to go and see a, a crocodile tour. And this is our GoPro. That, and they came back to the house. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling well this day. They came back to the house and said, look at the shot Tessa got. Because it's her GoPro. I was like, you, you let her do, you, what? And they're like, ha, 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 the guide took the GoPro. But that was a big, was that one of Osama bin Laden? Was that the name of the, yeah, they name all the crocodiles. Anyways, and the kids just had time to play together. You know, rent a bicycle, go for a bike ride, some brother-sister bonding time. It wasn't all, you know, smiles. You know, some of us got sick. That's Trey. That came out of Trey. And I don't know whether you heard or not, but I kind of learned to surf. And it was stinking amazing. So, um, yeah, look at that. Okay, shut up. Just, just stop. Stop. Okay. But more than that, I mean, we did, so we did crazy things, right? We did the things to make memories. We did all the vacationy things. But even better than all that was this. Look at them. They're pretending to be happy. <laughs> and actually, I think they were. We sat down, we ate together every night with no rush, nowhere to run off to. And we had these little cards that we would pull out to ask questions about the family. And so we'd have these great conversations around the table. I think we did that at least once, right? Yeah, good. Or they would, we watched the Super Bowl and we watched the Patriots win the Super Bowl while we were down there. That was pretty great. Uh, it's hard finding an English channel to watch it in, so that was interesting. And I got my butt kicked in a bunch of board games. Like that's just... But when do we get it? When have I had the chance to sit down with my kids and just play? 
So what did I learn? I think I learned that I'm a little bit too focused on me. I think it's, God started setting me up by saying, look, it's grace. It's grace. Stop striving, stop earning. And then He said, and get your eyes off yourself. You're so wrapped up in what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to do with the church and what you're trying to do with your school and what you're trying... You're missing out on the people you love all around you. And as a result of that, I'm more short-tempered with them. I'm less patient. I don't have time. I'm more irritable. And I'm pretty sure that same book of Ephesians says something about fathers do not exasperate your children. I won that verse. But it says instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I want to change. We had some great conversations about God, about people, about culture, about surfing, about sexuality, about denominations, about Jesus. We, we actually had a chance to talk. And I think I've realized through that whole experience that they even did their homework well. And they're, they're great. I think I learned that I have so much left to learn, even as a father who can live in God's grace and who can demonstrate that grace to my kids. That's a little snapshot of my family story. Let's talk marriage. So it turns out I'm married. There's been this woman living in my house, and I've been wondering why she keeps showing up. We, if you've had kids, you know that you stop really seeing each other as human beings, and you see each other as uh, scheduling partners or taxi drivers. And after 17 years, four kids, um, we joke and say we don't even really know each other's first names. We do know each other's first names, but the middle names are getting a little, a little iffy. So instead, we had a chance to go to Europe. And we went to the Eiffel Tower, and we got to go up into the bell tower at Notre Dame before it burned down. The bell towers are fine, but we were there like the week before that happened. And then... We had a little apartment, the third one over right there, which is actually part of a really big apartment on a boat the size of a city. And we got to go on a cruise where every morning they brought us breakfast in bed and our own little balcony to sit out and look over. The, there's Genoa in the background. And then during the day, we'd wander around random European cities looking at uh, old crumbly things. And then at when evening came, as the sun sets, we get back on the boat and watch the sun go down and eat fantastic food. With like, we had to dress up for dinner, and I can barely dress up for church. And and like the waiter comes and he says good evening, and he like goes to put the napkin on my lap, and I'm like, stop! What, what are you doing? What did... And and while you're here, why are there so many utensils? It, it was, I'm not used to that. That's beyond me. But Joe and I had these this time to finish all of the conversations we've been trying to have for 17 years. And we got to because we were uninterrupted. We love you guys, but you interrupt. So we had the chance, the privilege, to enjoy uninterrupted time. And we too brought the little cards with us. The, you know the dumb cards that are like conversation starters for marriage? You know? And so we'd bring them to dinner with us each night. And the people beside us just sat there. They didn't speak English, uh, so they just 
looked at each other, but they had nothing to say to each other. They were just staring at each other, and it was so sad. Meanwhile, Joanna and I pull out our cards and go, that one's stupid, that one's stupid, that one's stupid, that one's stupid. Okay, which is more likely that we'll sing on Broadway together? You know, this is the kind of thing that... <laughs> and I'm the first one to mock those things. They were awesome. Because it got us talking and laughing, and it was like we were dating all over again. Turns out, I like her. Might even love her. And she's pretty much the best thing that's ever happened to me. And the chance to enjoy this time with her was such a gift. What did I learn? Again, I think God started just hammering the same nail again and again, which is, it's all grace, Tim, so get over yourself. Get over your drivenness. Get over your preoccupation with all the things that you're trying to get done. Because you didn't just miss out on, on spending good time with your kids. You've got a wife that you're supposed to love just as Christ loved the church. That same book of Ephesians, man, is messing with me. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's kind of a high bar. And the way to do that is not by saying so focused on what I'm trying to get accomplished, but perhaps it's getting my eyes off myself and seeing her for who she is and the amazing woman of God that God has made her to be and to sacrifice and to honor, to serve, to drive the kids around to soccer so that she can rest after she gets home from work. I have so much to learn about being a husband and living in God's grace. That's my marriage story. One story left. And it's a big one. God's global story. We, as I said, got to go to Uganda and go to a Watoto village. Some of you have been here in this room when the Watoto choir completely shook the foundations of this building. They're like that all the time. Uh, some of you even gave us some donations to take with us. We took like 150 soccer balls, deflated and nested and compressed into the various bags as we tried to take them over there. Some of you met and made blankets and we actually got to see those blankets and use some. We brought diapers and we brought, we brought all kinds. Of, in fact, we brought this much stuff. Fit that on a plane. That was us saying, how in the world is this going to fit? It was fine. It all fit. They just took it all. They smiled. It was, you know, 27 hours of plane rides to get there, but finally we did make it there. And Uganda's a little different. This is a fruit stand. So you can buy fruit here. It was one of the coolest fruit stands we saw. I mean, this is outside the big city. The big city is just full and busy, and, and this is just a little bit outside the city, and this is what it becomes so quickly. It's, so I think this is beautiful. We were enamored with everything we saw over there, and I don't think it's because it was different. Like, it's, oh, novel. Oh, how quaint. I really think it's beautiful. Because the people we met were all happy. They were content. Here we are in our big homes with our fancy cars, and we're like pining away after things. Oh, if only I had this, if only I had this. That's what they have. And they're cool with it. 
And then when we walk by, they're like, oh, Mzungu, which means white person who's not from here. <laughs> they had t-shirts, I am Mzungu. I'm going to make one. But they come running over and they just want to say hi and they just want to welcome you to their country and they're just so glad you're here. And, they're so, and the kids are running around and they're playing in the back streets. And what are they playing with? The latest PlayStation? No, the kids are playing with a suitcase that has the extendable handle with the wheels that the cover's been torn off of. So it's sort of like a mini wheelbarrow, but they don't have anything in it. They're just running around with it. And they're having a blast. They need nothing. They want... Now, sure, we can improve living conditions. I'm not trying to pretend that poverty is this wonderful thing. But there is something, too, when Jesus says, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I also love that the whole city of Kampala is overrun with motorcycles. And it turns out, and I knew it, motorcycles are family vehicles. <laughs> we saw five people on a 100cc motorcycle. The, the little toddler was on the handlebars with his feet hanging down over the front with his hands behind him. The dad was driving with an infant in his lap. The little brother was there. The mom was there. And I think she had a babe in arms. And she was side saddle on the back in a beautiful long dress. And then they're weaving through traffic like this. And I'm like, I've got to move here. <laughs> but in the midst of all that, then you come upon Watoto. And you say, wow, that looks decidedly different than everything else around it, doesn't it? And you go to the Watoto and everything turns from dusty and red, the color of the earth, into this green, lush. This is one of the villages, the circles of eight homes and they all come around that green area in the middle where the kids can all play soccer or chase chickens. And that's one circle. There are 15 of those circles in one of the villages, and there's three villages. They're, they have rescued thousands of orphans. If you're not familiar with Watoto, if you haven't been around here long enough to meet with, encounter them, their mission is to rescue, raise, and rebuild. So they rescue orphaned and abandoned children. And the stories they tell are heartbreaking. They find children who have been left abandoned in pit latrines. They find children who have been buried. They find children who have been just left in back alleys or on buses. And there's a saying that they tell you is, if anyone tries to say, hold my baby while I go to the bathroom, don't do it because they're not coming back. They think you're white and their baby has a better chance of a future with you. So they rescue these kids. And then they build this entire infrastructure to raise them. And they're raising them in the name of Jesus and teaching these kids that could grow up feeling abandoned and lost. And they're teaching them they are loved and precious. They have a heavenly father. And when you look around and see every one of those buildings has a plaque on it that says, this building was built by this church in Vancouver, British Columbia, because they love you. These kids are growing up bombarded with the love and grace of God. They're being raised to have Christ-like character. So rescue, raise, they're educated, their schools are amazing, they've got auto shops and sewing shops and aesthetic salons, as well as high academic standards. Many of their kids are athletes and they're going on to national level sports. Their goal, though, is to rebuild the entire country of Uganda. Their goal is to raise the future leaders of Uganda, and I met the future president. He's 16, but he's going to do it. So when we got there, and uh, we were greeted. That kid didn't let go for a while. 
that, that's my legs, in case you haven't got the perspective on that image yet. It was, that was the, the Mzungu, hey! And then it was, okay, well, I've got some work to do, and so you're dragging a kid around on your legs. So Justin and I got to do some manual labor. We got to do some painting. Justin took the walls. I got to go into the cupboards. So that was great. The rest of the kids got to go to the baby house. And the baby house is where kids up to, what, two years old? Is that sort of the cutoff? I should have you guys up here doing this part, because I didn't go. But it turns out that if you're rescuing babies, you can provide for their physical needs. You can provide access to health care and medical care. You can provide shelter, food, everything they need. But they need one more thing. They need to play. Play is a huge part of development. And so our kids' job was to play. And they got to go in, and with children scattered everywhere, there's Jeremiah in the bottom left. There's, do you know who, which kid that is, Jer? No? Joel? Picking his nose, that's fine. Three on one, that's just not fair. <laughs> and then Joanna, they, there's an area for the most vulnerable kids, the youngest ones that just come, and they don't normally let volunteers in there, but because Joanna's a NICU nurse, they let her into their sort of special care nursery where she got to actually um, use the skill set that God's given her. There's a big sign on the door saying, if you're visiting, please don't come in here because these children will die. They're very blunt in Uganda. It's wonderful. This is our most vulnerable population, so please don't come in here, don't spread infection, or these children might die. Oh. So we had a chance to actually serve. It was a missions trip, right? The, the, there's a, when you go to a missions trip in Uganda, there's a six-person minimum for a missions trip. And lo and behold, we have six people in our family. So we were our own mission trip. They did the full missions experience for our family. But even more than that, we got to meet some people that are really special to us. Many of you know Trishna Castro and David, and they have been sponsoring some Watoto kids for years and years and years. If you've heard her talk about Abdul, we got to meet Abdul. And it was pretty incredible. Trish advocated to get this kid surgery when he was like this big, and then she flew over and made sure he got surgery and cared for him for six weeks until he was recovered. And now look at him. He's huge. And God is at work rescuing and redeeming people. So this is the crew we got to have lunch with, and the guy in the black t-shirt up in the top right corner, that's Timothy, that, that's also the Nicastro sponsor him, and he's going to be the next president, not the next president, but he's going to be the president of Uganda someday. The striped shirt right here holding the photo, that photo is taken right here on the evening of the Watoto concert with our sponsored child Moses, who was in the choir, you guys knew that. That's his sister. So Moses is still out on choir. So we were hoping that you saw us in our place, now we get to come see you in yours, but he's in like Haiti or something. But we got to meet his sister, so he was there in spirit because that's him in the middle of that photo with us gathered around him as a family. And that's his sister holding it up saying, look, look. So we're going to give that picture to Moses so that he can have the picture of us plus the picture of us plus the picture of them plus... Yeah, what's that movie? Inception? It's just like... It's one of those things. So it's just a privilege to be able to meet these people and to talk with them and to love them and to share meals with them and to see this incredible place that these children are being raised. I was blown away. I thought, if, if we could figure out the way to do something like this here, 
They've got it figured out. The most vulnerable people of their population are getting the best possible care. My favorite quote was at the end of the first couple of days. We're back at our, our, the place we're staying, and we did like a say-so every night where you do roses and thorns. What was the best thing of your day? What was your worst thing of the day? I don't know whether it was at that or maybe it was just in the car ride on the way back, but I think Trey said, I want to be a Watoto kid. Now, think about what that's saying. The kind of place that this is. That us in our privilege come to them in their need and say, we want to be with you. It was incredible. Now, we also got to do some other things. We got to go whitewater rafting in the Nile River. That's not a stock photo. That's Justin panicking in the front. And the reason you can't see anyone else panicking is because Joanna's in the back with, I think, the, the yellow helmet, and Tessa's right about here. Because she maybe forgot to hold on. <laughs> so we got to do some crazy things. This was on purpose. The, the guide said, hey, you want to flip? It's only a class five. Sure, why not? Uh, we also, I got to meet some of the instrumentalists uh, who are there. The guy in the pink shirt is the craftsman who makes instruments. So there, he's stringing up what Jeremiah purchased, which is a bass adungu. And it's like a precursor to an upright bass. It's this cool thing that smells really, really bad because the skin hasn't quite cured yet. And you can see on the bottom right, right in front of Jeremiah, is a drum. He made that drum as well. That drum is sitting right there. I've been playing it all morning. And the guy in the sort of leopard print shirt there is the percussionist who teaches percussion and drumming for all of Watoto, and he goes into the Watoto villages and teaches the kids how to do percussion and drumming and teaches tribal drumming and teaches all this stuff. And so he was the one saying, here's how you do it, here's what you do. And he, like, was, this is in the parking lot of the church, and he's just like banging away, showing me, okay, I'm, so I'm watching his hand technique, saying, okay, I've got to incorporate some of this, and how we, for the life of me, I can't figure out the African rhythms. It is, I'm going to have to learn. And then we also got to go to church. And church, you know, just the 1,500 people who love Jesus all together. And they're, they're, the whole mission of the church is to celebrate Jesus and to care for community. So it's not just worship. Worship is good, but they celebrate and they go. It's, it's amazing. So I, I spent a little bit more time on that because I think that actually connects to your lives even more than the other stuff in the sense that Watoto's been here. And to the extent that it might be possible, y'all got to go. It, I don't know how to make that happen, but at some point, I want all of you over there to see what's happening firsthand. It's, it's incredible. But if I have to say, what did I learn? Guess what? It's not about me. Get your eyes off yourself, Tim. Get over your own pressure of deadlines and sermons. Get over your, the, your anxiety. It's the repeating sort of mantra of our day. How are you? Oh, I'm so busy. I have so much to do. Oh, that is not freedom and kingdom living in Christ Jesus. And I think Jesus has been convicting me of that, and the, one of the best ways to do it is all those things we're striving for. Go to a place that has so few of them, and it turns out you don't need them. I was even amazed that we're painting, and you saw Justin with that big paint stick. Now, if I needed a paint stick, what would I do? I would go to Home Depot, and I would pay $22.95 for the paint extension. And what do they do? They go into the back, and they hack a tree limb down, and they shave the end off and stick it in the paint roller. We have to commoditize everything. They have such ingenuity. They, just, they have a needs-based culture. They make stuff if they don't have stuff. 
instead of acquiring stuff. But I am just continually amazed at God's repeating refrain to me, which is, get your eyes off yourself. Get your... Uh, let's stop that phrase right there. Um, and it really comes back, if we want to sort of bookend the whole thing, to, to this verse. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. So relax. It doesn't mean don't work hard, but it means the heart condition while you're working hard needs to be one that holds on to life loosely. One that celebrates Jesus fully. One that recognizes that everything we have we've received from His hand because we are His masterpieces and He loves us and He wants us to know Him and to be in relationship with Him. And sure, He wants us to do good things. We're just not supposed to be driven while we're doing them. We're not supposed to be stressed. We're not supposed to be impatient or angry or critical, or judgy. We're supposed to be characterized by love and grace. I, I tried to do First Thessalonians along with you guys, and I couldn't get past the intro. Anyone remember how the intro to First Thessalonians goes? It's the greeting. It isn't even the first like, content verses. Grace and peace to you. And I'm like, oh crap. Grace and peace. Man, that's what I want in my life. And I have not been living it. I have so much to learn. And God used Watoto and this great global vision of a God who has worked everywhere to remind me of Psalm 107. That I should be, instead of being stressed and anxious and driven, I should be rejoicing and giving thanks to the Lord for He's good and His love endures forever. And I should be willing to tell my story. What did I learn? Here's what I learned. I learned how much I have left to learn. I have not arrived. I know who I was, and I don't want to be him anymore. I also think I caught a glimpse of who, by the grace of God and by the power of his Holy Spirit, who I am becoming. That is a process. And I think God has some work to do with me. So I'm coming back from sabbatical, and God didn't fix me. He started the journey of healing and wholeness and redemption. And isn't that kind of the way he works? We look for the quick fixes. But instead, God says, how about the permanent fixes? We start with Jesus. Now come, let's grow together. So as we head into this next season together at Community Church, I'm excited. Coming soon. Because we're going to have some time and next, next Sunday night, I want to hear your stories. I want to hear what God has been doing in your lives. But that's looking backwards, saying, what's happened over the last four months? I'm excited about the next chapter in this great story of God. And in fact, that's what we're going to be teaching through over the next probably six or seven weeks. We are going to be studying the next chapter. We're going to look through the scriptures at people who came to sort of decision points or events or, or catalyst moments in their, in their lives and who thought that they were defined by their past. But it turns out God is about to write the next chapter. And we're going to spend the next six or seven weeks looking at these people in Scripture whom God is inviting into their next chapter. And that's what I'm excited about sharing with you is this next chapter together of our story, which if you've been around here long enough to know, it's not our story. We're excited about the next chapter of God's story. And I want to end just by offering the invitation, come learn with me. 
I come back from the sabbatical not having figured it all out. I come back from sabbatical knowing how much there is to figure out. And this walking with Jesus, even after 40 years, there's still so much to learn. So I want to invite you to come learn with me. Let's do that together. Let's grow. And let's step into the next chapter of what God has for us. So thank you for four months, for playtime with my family, for letting me zip line between mountains and Costa Rica. But let me tell you, after four months of travel, it's so good to be home. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you first and foremost because you loved us. You beat us to the punch. You got there first. While we were still sinners, you loved us. While we were still sinners, you died for us. While we were still alienated from you, separated from you, you were not content to leave us there. You reached down from on high and took hold of us. And by your blood shed at the cross, we have been set free. So we start by saying thank you for the good news that is in your name. Thank you for this church, for their generosity, their support, their encouragement to send my family away for four months. Thank you for the lessons you've been teaching me. Thank you for the lessons. I can't wait to hear about the lessons you've been teaching them. God, even... Now, this morning, I want to ask for your help. Because we live in a driven culture. We live in a world that is filled with stress and argument, of vitriol, of, of heated exchange, of an of a entire nation that doesn't listen to one another. And we're internalizing it all, and we're, and we're caught up in our own busyness, and caught up in our own lives, and we can't see beyond ourselves even to see those we love around us, much less the neighbor on the street. Lord Jesus, if you're teaching me anything, if this is where you're going with some of this sabbatical learning, let it spill out onto this whole church that we might get our eyes off ourselves, that we might release our power grab of trying to control everything in our lives. We might step into a new freedom and it might not change what we do, but it sure has to change how we do it. May you give us a freedom, a lightness of spirit, a joy. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Renew a right spirit within us. We love you, and we can't wait for this next chapter you're about to write in your great story here at Community Church. In Jesus' name, amen.